Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In recent months, female empowerment has become an important topic dominating the media, and the issues raised by the hashtag MeToo movement have forced this country to have important discussions about how women are treated in the workplace and beyond. Here in Baton Rouge, we have some incredibly strong, powerful women who have their own stories of struggles and successes to share. Joining me today is Dima Gowie, who specializes in empowering women and helping them reach their leadership potential through the organization she founded, Breaking Vases. Now, under the Breaking Vases umbrella, Dima is reaching a growing number of women around the world through her speeches, leadership trainings, networking events, website, podcasts, and a newly published book by the same name. Dima came to Baton Rouge in 2013 with IBM when the company opened its client services center here, and she was the public face of Big Blue in the local market until she left in 2016 to strike out on her own. Dima's story is quite incredible. She came from Jordan, where they still have a death warrant out for her because she divorced a powerful and controlling husband. Dima, it's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to Out to Lunch and for agreeing to share your many, many stories. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. With me and Dima at the table is Sherry LeBas, president of GEC, a Baton Rouge-based engineering firm that was established in 1986 and has grown in the three decades since into a national company with public and private sector clients around the U.S. Sherry has been with the company since 2016, though she was just named president at the beginning of 2018. Prior to that, she served for seven years under Governor Bobby Jindal as the secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation, where she oversaw a budget of more than $1.7 billion and more than 4,200 employees around the state. Suffice it to say, Sherry has survived and thrived in what is unquestionably a man's world for much of her career as an engineer and now as an engineering executive. She's also raised two sons and knows about juggling family with career and all the complicated dynamics of the work-life balance. Sherry, it's a pleasure to have you here on Out to Lunch. Very happy to be with you. Well, Dima, I want to start with you because Breaking Vases is such an interesting title, name. What does it mean and, and where does it come from? So it starts uh, based on a story when I was five years old in Jordan playing with my grandmother and she held a glass vase that we were supposed to arrange flowers in and she looked at me in a very serious way and she said, do you see this perfect glass vase? A girl is just like it. If it gets cracked for any reason, you can never fix it, you can never glue it, that's the one we throw in the trash. So as wow. a five-year-old, I didn't understand what that meant, like what, what, what is all of that? But then as I grew up, I understood that what she meant is that I always have to be perfect. Any cracks, any, any small mistakes I make would be seen as if they're crack in my, in my life and I would not be accepted in my community and I would be thrown away. 
Um, so really, she was telling me not to be courageous, not to take risks, not to discover my identity, and mainly to follow and obey and be the perfect image that the family and the community are expecting of me. Because that's what was expected in Jordan, yes. of all women. Your story is, is truly moving. You escaped an abusive, domineering husband. You broke your vase. Yes. And that is what empowered you and inspired you to do what you've done today. Yes. So after I left, um, good things happened and bad things happened. The good things, I got the opportunity for the first time on, in my life to change my story. I didn't want my story to be the weak, abused, um, unhappy woman who is living the life of the past and the life that's expected of me. I wanted to create a new story. And I got, for the first time ever, the opportunity to do that. And I did it through education and um, eventually working for IBM and getting into leadership roles, which is amazing. The negative part of it is the reaction of the family because I cracked my vase and just like my grandmother told me that's the one would be thrown in the trash I got rejected by my family and my father decided to have me killed to save his honor and really to save his own vase right we think of vases related to women but men have vases too they, they want to keep course. their own image perfect Wow, it is such a it's such a compelling story. But we're gonna we're gonna pause right there because <laughs> Sherry, I want to bring you into the conversation. I don't know if you can top that, but you did recently take over at GEC, an engineering firm in Baton Rouge. Um, engineering is a male-dominated world here. How have you managed to succeed in that realm? And and hopefully it's changing. But I mean, when you entered the field of engineering. 20-something years ago, it has, it, it's been a male-dominated world. Well, I, you know, I, I have to say it has been. And when I entered the field, I was at LSU, a student, and made the decision. Um, my father had actually thought that pharmacy would be a good career for me, and I thought, well, that would be a good field as well. So I started LSU, but I took an environmental studies class and just really loved the environment and I loved the outdoors. And I went, I looked through the catalog and it talked about civil engineering having something to do with, with the environment, working with the environment. So I read civil engineering, it really appealed to me and I was always very good in math. I had incredible teachers growing up and I just loved math and it said that math, you needed to have math to, to be an engineer and be good in math. And so I decided to go into civil engineering and when I went to my parents' house and I told them, I said, uh, and I had a little bit different than you, Dima, my parents always told me you can do anything you want to do. <laughs> right. um, you can be anything you want to do, aspire to be anything you want to do. So I did go home and they said, well, what did you sign up for? I said, well, I'm going to take surveying. That's outside. You get to go around the LSU lakes. <laughs> right. Hey, that sounds, sounds nice. fun to me. And uh, so anyway, they looked at me and they're like, what are you going to major in? I said, civil engineering. They said, do you even really know what a civil engineer does? And I said, no, not really, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that was the beginning of it. And I started my coursework and uh, just really, really enjoyed it. But it was very male dominated. I was very fortunate in that there were about 11 women that were in civil engineering when I was. Out of how many, say? Uh, I would okay. say we had a graduating class of about 50. Okay. So, so about so 20%. That, right. So that was, but that was an anomaly. I mean, that yeah. was uh, so different than what had been experienced before with women in engineering. 
And uh, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I, I attribute it uh, to the commercial. Do y'all remember the, the lady when I was growing up? Uh, you know, you can bring home the bacon sure. fried up in a pan, you know. <laughs> right, right. So it, it's like, you know, I, I don't know if it was the times or what, but uh, with the women's movement, maybe when I grew up in the 60s, uh, had an effect on us as, as children or whatever. You know, I sometimes wonder why in the world that generation we had some, you know, quite a large number of women for the first time. So anyway, so uh, started my career, but it definitely uh, male dominated. And then when I started working at the Department of Transportation, tremendously male dominated. And the culture has changed so much over the past 30 years and, and absolutely for the better. As women have become more empowered, how, how, do, how do you empower women, Dima? What do you do through breaking vases to help them you know, change cultures? Yeah, what I, what I realized when women hear of inspiring stories, that by itself gives them the motivation to look into their lives and figure out what is stopping them, what is their vase, and to take action about it. So in my situation, really I feel like with my coaching and with my keynotes is helping women realize how amazing they are and also realize how they are stopping in their own way. Many of the women I work with, they, they're afraid of making mistakes. They're worried of being judged, and they want to be perfect. The sense of perfection is really holding us back. It's not the culture alone. It's not the corporations in some situation. It is us. Do you think men don't have that same sense of needing to be perfect and do it all? Well, Dean, I'm going to ask you, in, in your observations and, and the, the women that you talk to, I, I've always felt that women have to perform at a higher level than a man. It, it, it's almost like uh, you, know, you have to work harder than a man. Do you, when you talk about women having to be perfect or feeling that women have to be perfect, is that sort of what you're talking about as well, that, that you have to just give so much more? What are your thoughts on that? It is both. I, I see that in a business environment, we do need to work so much harder to be able to continue to prove ourselves, and I, I see it. But also, I, I realize internally, so many women, they're so afraid of not being seen as perfect, and as a result, they end up stopping themselves. Like simple examples, they're, they stop themselves of sharing ideas in meetings because they're afraid hmm. of their, their team uh, not agreeing with that idea. They're afraid of presenting because they're afraid of other people judging them or making mistakes. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the external. I'm talking about how so many people, they have as if vases within them. And as a result, they, they are stopping themselves from advancing. And to your question about men, the men I coach, I, it's, a, it's, different. it's different. It doesn't mean we're all human, we all don't want to make mistakes, sure. but it's not as significant as I see it when I'm working with women. So interesting. And, and, and I have to agree with your observations on that. I think um, women, and, and what I, I love about women getting into the field, is we bring a different dynamic and different ideas to the table. But I think it has taken time for women to get those ideas on the table because they they may be different. And I'll and I'll give you an example. Um, for and I've learned over time that uh, I don't hold back anymore. But I would <laughs> say, but no, I would say good. in the past, yeah. I, I I did, you yeah. know, because I I would be thinking, well, you know, what are they going to think of that idea? But you know, here here's an example. The the uh, 
the bridge, the Audubon Bridge in St. Francisville. I don't know if you've been Biggest over that Biggest boondoggle waste of money, right? <laughs> beautiful bridge, yeah, It is a beautiful, bridge. beautiful so, bridge. So let's just talk about the aesthetics of it. But um, the, the, my staff came to me, and they said, you know, we need to do some kind of coating for the bridge. And I said, well, you know, instead of doing the normal gray color, let's do something that's a little bit more inviting. So they sort of uh, nicknamed it Sandstone Sherry. But anyway, <laughs> that's fine. But if you go look at the bridge, it's not your typical gray. It, it has a little bit of tan color to it, which does make it much more aesthetically pleasing. It didn't yes. add cost to the project than just painting it the gray. But I do think that... Uh, women bring something else and not just aesthetics but technical ideas as well uh, to the table and I, I hope that women are starting to speak up so I'm glad that you have this program for them to help them yeah. with that because yeah. they do have great ideas and even even if the team they disagree or they think it's not the best idea it's mm -hmm. okay just put it on the table and brainstorm and speak up and instead not of, hold yourself yeah, back. instead of wanting to be perfect and keeping it to yourself and really that's hurting everybody so when we're talking about the women's advancement why would we adva advance somebody who's not speaking up and sharing creative ideas but it's also hurting the business because this idea could have generated great things for them and Dima as you as you were preaching this you were also living it because you left the comfort and the prestige of a <laughs> of a big blue chip company yes to start out on your own doing sort of a little bit of everything in this sort of nebulous field yeah. of women empowerment and that's got to be very, very scary for you. It is. I, I preach to everybody, feel the fear and take action anyway. Okay. So I had to do it for myself. And I felt, especially when I was giving keynotes and I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't following my intuition that I should leave. I kept saying, wow, I'm like telling people to do something and I'm doing something totally different. I am afraid. So I had to face yeah. the fear. And now it's been um, it's been like in almost three years because I left 2015 which wow. is wonderful and um, I love every single day I love the difference that I'm making what do you what is most of your business is it public speaking or is it coaching in a, like a consulting type of relationship I mean how do you make money empowering women so the the way I do men money <laughs> empowering women the, the uh, first um, aspect of my business is keynotes so speaking at conferences where it is the motivational element and I share usually my story or share stories from around the world in leadership that I experienced okay. with powerful messages related to what I want to teach. The other aspect is not specific to women. It is um, gender neutral. It is training, like employee engagement, working across generations. So this is so important because I believe we need happier employees so they can do a better job. And the third aspect is the coaching, one-on-one -on -one where we get to meet, we close the door, and uh, we get to talk about deep stuff and help them build the, a better future. And, and were, did IBM teach you how to do this, or are you self-taught in this field? Or was this what you were doing at IBM? So I am so grateful for IBM because they absolutely changed my life. Everything I'm teaching comes from the training I got with IBM, the actual leadership experience I had with IBM globally. So it's not that I uh, took a, a class and now I'm teaching people. Those are actual skills that I helped. Doing on the job. Then. Yeah, doing on the job. And now I get to help other people with. What made you want to leave when you did? It's really my intuition, just my intuition. Something inside of me just kept screaming for over a year and a half. 
um, to have me leave and I just kept ignoring it, ignoring it and it got to a point where it was just so powerful and I feel it's a divine purpose where I got the experience in leadership and now it's my time to serve and ha have other people go through their process of shattering their own vases. So interesting. I'm, that, that's wonderful to have your inner voice telling you what to do. I'm Stephanie Regal. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm talking to female empowerment coach Dima Gowie and Sherry Labaugh, president of GEC Engineering. Sherry, you're at GEC and now you're president. Do you still do engineering or are you strictly now in an executive role? And, and tell us a little bit about GEC. Well, um, at GEC, yes, I'm an executive role. I started uh, with GEC in May of 2016 after retiring from the Department of Transportation and started in business development. So this was a whole new chapter <laughs> in my life, something that I had never done before. And uh, so anyway, started doing that. And that, that's more executive, I would say. And then becoming president in January, definitely executive position. I do feel, though, that the engineering background allows me to be successful in this position because I can talk to the engineers. We're looking at uh, proposals, opportunities, trying to work to come up with creative ideas for our clients. And so that engineering background gives me the foundation that I need to be able to do the executive level activities. So mm -hmm. it's a really, it's, it's been really good. And did you have business background taking over this role? Or? No, oh. I don't. <laughs> no, so, uh, so there I, must have been a lot of I, fear with that. There was there was fear, and uh, there's there's still fear. <laughs> um, so you know, each day, um, just embrace each day. And and my my key word for myself, and has been through my career, has been perseverance. Um, you know, if if something doesn't work out having the strength to say, you know what, I'm getting back up again and I'm going out there again and I'm putting myself out there again. And not having the fear of failure. And that's what I used to talk to my staff about when I was at DOTD and, and even at GEC is that, that fear of failure because I think that does hold you back if you sure. think that about all the things that could go wrong instead of focusing on the things that that could go right and not dwelling that right. that's what I would tell people to don't don't dwell you know move on and uh, don't feel failure at fear failure and then perseverance um, pers keep at it and I think those um, like I said that's what I would talk to the DOTD staff about and and I'm like you Dima in that uh, I, sometimes I think, wait a minute, I'm telling other people to do that. I need to make sure I'm doing that. <laughs> Women yes, are good at so, that. I mean, we, know, we do. So, we know how, what kind know? of advice to give. Well, yes. Speaking of advice, I want to switch gears for a moment because this is a part of the show that we call Another Great Idea. So maybe you've got a friend who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about somebody you should have a cup of coffee with or a drink after work or a great investment opportunity. And maybe you jump on it and it did turn out to be a great idea. Maybe it didn't. Maybe you pass it up and you later wish you hadn't. Can you all think of an example where somebody had a, a great idea for you and did you act on it and how did it turn out? Well, one, one of mine was um, the secretary position at the Department of Transportation. I had, uh, and, that, and that's, a, that's another thing I find too, is that having those people that believe in you and encourage you and support you and mentors, I think that is so important. And I had a, a friend of mine say, you know, you should consider being secretary of the Department of Transportation. 
And my first reaction was, oh, no, you know, not, not me. And, uh, but he really encouraged me, and he said, well, if you're asked... You need, you need to accept that because you would do a great job and you have the background. I mean, look at what all you've done. So just very, very encouraging. And so when the opportunity was presented, I did accept the position and it ended up being really That's a life awesome. changer for yeah. me. That's so great. Wow. When you, when you initially asked that question, the first thing that came to my mind was, usually I'm the one who tells people of the ideas I <laughs> right. want to do, and they're like, no, don't do that. And then I don't listen and do them anyways, and they end up being good. But one, <laughs> one specific example that absolutely changed my life, after I left my marriage where I said I, I leaned into education, I wanted to graduate, so I enrolled at the University of San Diego. And now this is like, it feels it's been forever, a past life. But a professor reached out to me and he encouraged me to run to be the president of the student organization. I've never seen myself as a leader. I'm always taught to be a follower. And even though I was in an MBA program, I was just doing it to, to graduate and make more money. Sure. <laughs> um, and I said, no, so similar. I yes. said, no, I, I, I don't see myself as a leader. And at that time I was working full time, going to school, trying to deal with family issues. And he kept insisting, those are the best people that see they something are. in they us know. that God, we don't even realize. Absolutely. And that's why it's important we do the same. So um, he kept, I kept saying no, and he kept encouraging me. And finally, I accepted. And I believe, and I thought that the students would not vote for me. Well, they elected me. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize at that time that my entire life is going to change because my, I, I, I got the opportunity to discover the leader within. And... IBM would not have hired me if I didn't have little tiny experience leading a student organization. Isn't that fabulous? Yeah. And that passage is in your book, which I couldn't put down. I mean, I read it in a weekend because it was so compelling. How is the book going? How has it been received? And how are you marketing it? Because I know when you self-publish a book, even if it's the best book in the world, it, you still got to peddle it out there. Yes, a lot of marketing. I thought that the hardest part of writing a book is writing it and publishing it. It's really the yeah. majority of the work is what happens after you publish it. So the book is going great. Um, the input is amazing. It's encouraging me more and more because I had my own doubts about, right. <laughs> about my own book. So it's going well. We're recording it right now to make it an audio, uh, so it would be on Audible. Are you reading it yourself? I'm the one reading it. Oh, and, I, and somebody should have warned me how hard it is. <laughs> it is not easy. So I would be recording, and if I mess one word, we have to repeat it. But also, maybe there's somebody fixing the, the, the grass, or you just there's always other noises that we have to take out. So it is going very well. A lot of marketing. So whether it is uh, marketing when I'm speaking at conferences, when I am, um, when I am uh, like we're doing podcasts, doing all kinds of things, marketing, reaching out to people, and um, it, it's, been, it's been very well. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and you travel much. How do you yes. market your other services? Yeah, so um, I've been, I have, uh, or last year I had a marketing company that did an amazing job. So they were doing all of the marketing and uh, the PR. Now I'm shifting more into PR versus marketing. Um, so I have been so fortunate because a lot of the business that's coming to me comes to me. 
So they give me a call, they send me an email, and they say, we, wa- we saw you at our conference. We would like you to come and speak to our team. And this is such an amazing way to continue to grow the business. Um, I love it. So yeah. it is a lot of That's work That's where you want to be, is in yeah. that position when so the business reaching comes out. to you. Yeah. So even like today, I had two calls, and I, I love it. It just shows that people are connecting with the messages, that the quality is great, mm-hmm. because I want it to, even though I don't want it to be perfect, but close to being perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is resonating, and that's important. That's wonderful. How does GEC get business, Sherry? I mean, engineering is very competitive. A lot of engineering firms in Baton Rouge. It is. is. Well, with GEC, we're multidisciplinary. So we are we a very diverse firm. Yeah. We do coastal work. We do water and sewage, roadways, bridges, electrical, ITS. So I think diversifying is, is, is a key mm-hmm. to getting business. And then we look at our market we look to see what are the areas that we want to market and we identify our clients and we work with them we go visit them because business it's a lot about relationships Mm -hmm. i bet dima some of the people that you get are from word of mouth yes and so it's about relationships and then also providing quality work and that's one thing that we definitely strive for is quality work because if we're able to produce quality work for a client then they will pass that on and tell other people about us or they will hire us again for a job so we have an office in california in florida as well in baton rouge and metairie but baton rouge is the home base baton rouge is the home base very good headquarters and and i just have to ask you since we're talking about baton rouge and you're an engineer traffic is such you know a nightmare (laughs) here such a, a problem that's on everybody's mind every day it is what do you see as the solutions and are any of the things they're talking about here really going to make a difference well the solution is that we need more funding for transportation and you you made um, that case many times in the I legislature did. It, it, our gas tax was passed back in 1984 the 16 cent gas tax per gallon and then the four cents for the timed program in 1989 so you think about it we have not had an increase in our gas tax for over 30 years and so that certainly um, affects our economy when the inflation the inflation's rising costs are increasing increasing but then if you think about it our cars are more fuel efficient so the amount of money the revenue coming in from the gas tax is is stagnant it's pretty much staying consistent Um, so it's not rising with Mm -hmm. the times so therefore we need more money for transportation there's certainly some innovative ideas. I certainly support uh, the Garvey bond program that is going out right, right now, especially since the, ta- the gas tax failed last spring. But uh, we've got to have more money for transportation. That is not a cure-all. It's certainly going to help. Uh, fixing I-10 through Baton Rouge will help this traffic. But we, we need a new Mississippi River Bridge. Yeah. We need more funding that's for the, transportation. That's the big one on the table. Well, Sherry LeBas and Dee McGowie, it's been humbling to have such successful, grounded women of leadership and character with me today on the show. Good luck with your continued success, and I appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Thank you. Thank you very much. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Dee McGowie of Breaking Bases and Sherry LeBas of GEC Engineering. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. Today's photos were taken by Carrie Hosford. 
You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.